You're listening to the Burn Youth Podcast. We hope this message encourages and challenges you to live for Jesus. Let's get into it. If you don't know me, my name is Hamish Luke Peterson. Uh, My beautiful wife over there, Meg, and I, we run Burn Youth. So if you... If you're brand new tonight or kind of newish and you didn't know who we were, come up and say hi afterwards. I would love to get to know you. And we just want to say, welcome. This is home. We hope you can kick up your feet, relax, get comfortable. Um, If you walk around your house naked, don't get too comfortable here. Um, Not on that sort of level. But as far as on a friendship level, you're welcome and we love you. Uh, (laughs) Who here loves Jesus? (laughs) Okay. So like uh, it was teased before, tonight is all about sharing Jesus. And sharing Jesus, it's a real practical topic. It's not some airy-fairy topic that you're going to listen to tonight and then at the end of the night, you're going to delete out of your brain memory cells, okay? This is a message for you. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a big preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a priest or a minister. Sharing Jesus is for every single person who has a faith in Jesus. Whether you've known Jesus for your whole life or whether you just found out about Him yesterday, sharing Jesus is for everyone. So if you've got your notebooks, if you got your pens, if you've got your phone and you're not gonna be tempted to look at any other apps, then I encourage you, take notes tonight because this is practical and it's for you. Does that sound good? Now, just in case you didn't think it was for you, Jesus in the Bible actually commands all of of His followers to share the message of Jesus. In Matthew 28, from 18 to 20, it says this. This is Jesus talking, so you better listen. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what he's saying there is that we need to go and make, just as you and I have become followers of Jesus, we need to go and, and, and encourage our friends to become followers of Jesus. And in doing so, He's going to be with us through that process. So as you can see, I've got someone sitting here with me. Put your hands together for Tia Gray. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Now, the reason why we asked Tia on this panel is because she has such a heart for seeing people who don't know Jesus come into a relationship with Jesus. She is on fire. She is passionate about seeing people who are who are lost, who don't have any direction in life, find the answer, which is Jesus. So we are so happy, Tia, that you are here tonight. Um, she is one of our core leaders looking after the six to eight girls. Only six to eight girls here tonight. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, We're going to dive right in. Does that sound good? Easy, easy. So first question I have for you, Tia, and guys, get ready to take notes is, so maybe there are some people here tonight who have tried to talk to their friends about Jesus before. Maybe there are some kids here tonight who's tried to invite their friends to church before, but the experience didn't go very well. Maybe they tried to start the conversation, but the friend kind of shut them down, kind of poo-pooed them or maybe laughed at them. I don't know what happened, but the experience of sharing Jesus didn't go well. So to that kid, what advice would you give them? Well, I would first of all say, 
that that has certainly happened to all of us. There was a time where this person was going through a bit of a rough patch and over the phone I was like, can I pray for you? And they were like, uh, and I was like, oh, like only if you went in there, like you do what you got to do. And so I proceeded to pray while they very loudly made a cup of tea over the phone. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Um, so it's definitely happened to everybody. Um, but what I would say is not to be encouraged, uh, discouraged by that yeah. because God's timing is not our own. And in Isaiah 49, 8, it says, when the time's ripe, I answer you. When victory's due, I help you. I form you and use you to reconnect the people with me, to put the land in order and to resettle families on their ruined properties. Now, it all seems a bit vague, but I will wrap this in for you. So where, how, the way I perceive that verse is that when you are talking to people that don't know God, you have to think of them as refugees, estranged from their home in God. And so there's going to be trauma there. There's going to be hurt there. There's probably going to be a lot of lack of trust with people there. Mm. And so they're not going to be immediately open per se to what you have to say. Some people will be, and that's brilliant, Mm. but other times it's going to have to take time. And that process should not be rushed where that can be helped. Um, we haven't failed if someone hasn't found salvation straight away. Mm. A patient struggle for us is merely a moment in time that God's working. And He's always working behind the scenes, even if you're not seeing the fruits of that straight away. So I would say that there's that balance where there are times where you feel the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart and you know that it's straight away to go to that specific prayer. It's that exact moment that you're to ask them whether they know God as their saviour. There's other times where you may feel that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to merely start a relationship with that person in general that can lead to that guidance and that counsel with them down the long track. Um, I wouldn't take their no as the final answer per se. You have to respect them because if you're too pushy, um, that's a really good way to push someone completely away. But I would respect the fact that God's, got that higher plan. God actually sees into that situation in all the details. And if you are merely responsive to what he says, if you're sensitive to that person and their needs and take the time to get them to know them so that you can understand that, you're more likely then in the future to be able to have those conversations that open up gradually as they learn to trust you Mm. and then consequently learn to trust God better as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think uh, what you said about don't get discouraged. You know, your interaction with your friends, don't, if it doesn't go well the first time, don't give up. Be persistent. Like what you said, God has his own timing. And, you, you, you know, if it's worth it, then you'll be in it for the long game. If seeing your friends come to know Jesus is worth it, and heck yeah, it is, then you'll be in it for the long game. It's not just about um, converting someone to Christianity in a one-minute conversation. It's about being in relationship with them for years and just persistent and sowing the seed and just being there for them when they need some encouragement and in God's timing and when they're ready, in Jesus' name, they will come to know Him. I love 100%, it. 100%. 100%. And I think you raise a good point um, about like that, that process as well because I think sometimes we can get this hyper-glamorized image that you do often see in different Christian worlds and programs and things of thousands of people coming to Christ, which is amazing. But more often than not, the sad truth is without that follow-up, those people are babies in their faith left often without a lot of um, support and, and guidance through that. And so that person is actually a lot more enabled to truly get to know God when they've got someone, as you said, with them for the process. Now, you may not be 
uh, the one person for that entire process, you may be a step in that. But if you are faithful to the time that God has designated you to be in that person's life on that journey, then that's what matters in, yeah. in terms of your role in that. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, just the other week, uh, Rodney and I were going around Arendelle and yeah. chatting to young men on the street and just witnessing to them, t- talking to them about Jesus. What do you believe about God? Uh, have you ever made a decision to follow Him? We were having that kind of conversation with them. And I actually had the opportunity to lead one of them in the salvation prayer that you hear on a Friday night every week. Here's the thing though. I came in in a five-minute conversation, dumped him everything I knew about Jesus, prayed for him and left. Now, hopefully he'll go to ch- a church somewhere and get locked in. But I don't know that. What might be more effective in that guy's life is a friend, a believer of Jesus who comes alongside him and does the journey with him rather than some hotshot like me coming in for a five-minute chat. And there's a place for that. There is a place. There's some people like, Sophie was talking about giftings. There's some people who are gifted to evangelize and to preach on the street. But for a lot of us commoners, (laughs) you know, what can actually be more effective is the relational side, the rapport side. Yeah, beautiful. Now, the next thing I want to ask you is this. A common statement, a common attitude that I hear from people is, you know, I don't have to actually talk to Jesus, uh, talk to people about Jesus. I don't actually have to use my words. I can just live a good example. I can just live a, a moralistic good life and people will see Jesus in me. There's a classic saying that goes around and I think it's, the idea is a little bit wrong, but the, the saying goes like this. It goes, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. And sometimes people use that statement to kind of let themselves off the hook and say, you know, I don't actually have to say Jesus. I don't actually have to communicate what Jesus did for me. I can just live a good life and hopefully my friends will see, oh, Julian, there's something different about you. And then Julian can say to his mate, oh, uh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, right? (laughs) So my question is, to the person who believes that, to the person who thinks that they can just share Jesus by not using words, what would you say to that? Yeah, and it's a tough one because like I myself can often fall into that mindset as well. And it was only recently, like after we were chatting actually, that I started to think about it more. Um, And... Something I think that's really interesting is the book of Titus is, it's a good read actually, it's quite practical. So I recommend, it's not one that people often talking about, but in the book of Titus in um, chapter two, the the people that the letter is addressed to are instructed to go on and teach those in their community about a bunch of different practical ways of life to do with their temperance, their dignity, their wisdom, models of goodness, how they love their families, how to keep a good house, discipline, all those kind of things. But Titus 2.7 has these two elements in this verse and it says, but mostly show them all this by doing it yourself. Now that's the first point, that's your actions. But then it goes on to say, incorruptible in your teaching, your words solid and sane. Now I think that perfectly says that in order to show people all those biblical values and those Christian values, you have to have that balance. Something I was thinking of um, when I was thinking of this, I, I work at a primary school and I don't know about you guys, but like I remember my own primary days was show and tell, right? It was a big thing. And I would find whatever the heck was in my backpack to like get up there and have a chat. One time I grabbed my wet bathers and I was like, oh, here they are. But anyway, my point being is it's called show and tell for a reason. If a kid like was that cool kid where the mum let them bring the pet in and everyone like secretly was jealous. If they bring their puppy in and they're like, 
<laughs> and we're like, sick. It's a dog, but what's his name? Tell us about you it. You know, and like, how old is he? And where does he come from? And all those sorts of things. Like that would be the most boring and confusing show and tell in the world. On the flip side though, if someone does come in, brings their dog in and they're like, yeah, his name's Bear and he's this old and he can do spins all day long. But then the next day comes in and goes, yo, his name's actually Brad and he can't spin at all. It's going to be very confusing for that person. Now, I'm bringing this back, I promise. If I have my actions for someone that are based off my faith and there's, there's, three, there's three options here. And I have my actions and I think it's enough just living by that. For example, I don't drink at all. And I often thought that was enough to sort of like speak of Jesus in a lot of like older settings as you guys get older in parties and things. I thought, well, me not drinking must say loud and proud that I'm Christian, right? There's actually a lot of people that don't drink who aren't Christian as well. Maybe it's for health or sport or whatever it is kind of thing. And so that in itself shows that sometimes that action isn't enough to clearly get your message out there. And so you have to have that balance of bringing the reasoning in it. And you, I, something I love to say is you need a why behind your what. And so instead, if I'm asked about it, it might actually be better to say, well, yeah, like I don't drink for health, of course, and other things. But actually, I also don't drink because my Bible says not to be drunk. And my Bible says to treat my body like a temple. And it's a personal conviction from the Holy Spirit. And someone would be like, what's a conviction? What's the Holy Spirit? That leads into that. But the third element of that is, once I've demonstrated those actions and once I've backed it up with my biblical justifications, you really need to stick by what you said and what you're doing. Because the more you, uh, the more you reason, that's, that's more of a responsibility on your behalf to stick by that way of life. And so if anything, it actually acts as an accountability mechanism for yourself, which is one of the biggest ways that you can share Jesus is showing that you are strong and proud in your convictions, regardless of the environment. And I think that's something really important for people to remember. Put your hands together for that. Wow. Such wisdom. If you're not taking notes right now, I don't know what you're doing. So what I got from that is that it, it, it's a two-pronged thing. Right, you can't just have live a good life and expect people to instantly connect that with Jesus. Right, just because I don't drink, me not drinking doesn't communicate to someone. Oh yeah, Jesus died for my sins. <laughs> right, like it's not a one for one. But by the same token, when you use your words to communicate Jesus, don't forget the example that you set. Because if you say, "Hey, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Jesus is all about forgiveness," but then you don't forgive people and you're a horrible person, then that communicates to someone, "Okay, I don't want to be a Christian. Being a Christian makes me a bad person." <laughs> so it's a two-pronged thing. You got to live a life of example, but then you also got to tell them the why behind what you do. A hundred percent. And something I think that always comes up that people who might not be Christian have doubts and concerns about the church is hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is saying one thing and doing another. And the biggest weapon that we can use against hypocrisy and those, I guess, assumptions about the church is authenticity. So if we're staying true to what we believe, we're staying true to what God set for us, that actually shows them that we can be steadfast in this world. And even if they don't necessarily agree with the thing you're saying, like a lot of people might go, oh, you don't drink. That's a bit odd. But I think people are actually really likely to respect the fact that you can stand by a conviction regardless. That in itself, in a world that is questioning everything and challenging everything, says a lot about the steadfastness of God and the fact that He doesn't change. And that's really appealing in such a confusing society as well. I love it. Somebody say show. <laughs> Somebody say and. and. Somebody say tell. tell. Now turn to your neighbor and say show and tell. Show and tell. If this was a preach, I would title it Show and Tell. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Okay, question number three. Question number three. Come on, get your notebooks out. Get ready to write this one down. Now, what would you say, Tia, to someone here who wants to share Jesus with their friends, but is only a new Christian themselves? So like, maybe they're thinking, look, I really want to share what this message of Jesus. I really want to share this amazing life I found in Jesus, but I'm only new to this whole Christianity thing myself. What would you say to that person? Yeah. So something I would say is, of course, um, it's pretty hard to introduce somebody that you don't know. Like, I don't know if you've been in one of those environments where you've just met someone and then someone comes up and you're like, this is Brenda. Yep. And that's it. Like you've got nothing to do. Actually, give my them. name's Gertrude. Sorry, Gertrude. <laughs> Even there, there, you know, like you want to get their name right as a start. Um, but something I want to say as well is the fact that you may have only known someone a little, just for a little bit of time. And by that someone, I mean Jesus does not at all discredit the uh, authority and the ability you have to share him with others. Now, Obviously, as soon as we become a Christian, we're going to want to try and get to know Jesus as best as possible, as soon as possible, right? And that comes through our things like our Bible study, through our prayer, um, through engagement with like our the preachers at church, um, different teachings, like getting ourselves note up on the way that we can connect with people. Like the Bridge to Life uh, example we were talking about at church last week. If we start knowing that, that's a great reminder for us and allows us to share that with other people. But as I was mentioning before, authenticity is a huge tool in sharing Jesus. And one of the biggest ways that we can be authentic and that means to be real and to be honest and to be ourselves with someone is through our testimony. Now you all have a testimony regardless of whether you've known Jesus for one day or 10 years. And that is one of the biggest tools you can use when sharing Him with someone else. If you were able to go up to somebody and you say, this is who I was, this is who Jesus is. And because of Him, this is who I am now. That is so, so powerful. Do not undermine that regardless of how well you think you might know theology or memorised verses or things. That stuff is obviously really important, but especially for people who are still new to that whole side of church, it's actually you that can be such an incredible portal for them to get to know the Holy Spirit better and to see God in someone's life. Um, And this world is conditioned to call out things that are fake, like forever. We've seen it, fake news, all that kind of stuff. And that is why people are craving real and they're craving honest. And so I think people can be so ashamed to get down about their testimony and perhaps things they're still struggling with. But it's that honesty that actually opens those conversations up even more. And Matthew 6, 1 specifically says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it all. Regardless of how long you know God, it's not going to impress Him and it's not going to impress anybody if you try and pretend that fit with Him, now you're perfect. It's actually so much more powerful to be like, actually, yeah, I still struggle with X, Y, and Z. Mm. But because of God, I know I have power over that situation. I know Mm. I can have authority in Him. Um, Mm. And so just use what you do know about God. Use what you do know about Him in your life. And when you're doing that and you're talking to someone about it, be aware of where they might be at in their life. And it's really cool if you can find common ground. People say that regardless when you meet someone new, try and find common ground. Like it's one of the first, you know, top tips of meeting people and getting to know people. Find some common ground or find somewhere where you think you can speak into a situation with what you already know about God and what you know about what He's done in your life. Um, and apply that as best as you can to what's what you're being faced with in that conversation. Mm. Yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I think um, the encouraging thing is that you don't have to wait till you're more knowledgeable yeah. 
you don't have to wait till you're a more mature Christian or, oh, maybe I'll wait until I'm as smart as my parents or I'm as smart as my uh, Christian life studies teacher or whatever. You know, no, like whatever you know about Jesus now, you can share with someone. Whatever experience you've had with Jesus in worship or maybe even just like, maybe you don't know a lot about him, but all you know is that when you come to church and when you spend time with him, you feel better. Maybe just share that. Hey, um, uh, let's practice. Uh, my, my friend's name is Gary or Gertrude. Let's go with Gertrude. I like that name. Hey, Gertrude, like you should really come to youth. Hamish, why should I come to youth? It's like, I don't know, but Jesus is there. And when I go, I feel really good. I, I can't explain it any other way, but you just need to try it out. Okay, maybe I will come, Hamish. Um, that's a hypothetical conversation. But share what you do know is what I'm saying. <laughs> Be encouraged and share what you do know. Okay, last question. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Okay. Last question, and then we're going to go into Hub's time, and you are going to discuss this. And there's going to be a little bit of role-playing in Hub's time, so make sure you are taking your notes, because there will be a quiz later. I know Heather Lee's looking at me like, what the? (laughs) No, there won't be a quiz, but there will be some role-playing. Okay, you're going to get out of your shell in Hub's time. Last question actually relates to this very same thing. Okay, Tia, let's pretend that you and I are friends. No, we are friends, but let's say, no, no, let's, okay, no, let's pretend we're like not church friends. Like we're just like, you're a church person and I'm a friend on the outside that you've known for, for a while, but I don't know Jesus yet. You know Jesus, I don't know Jesus. How are you going to share Jesus with me? Go. Okay, well, as awkward and as hard as this may seem, I have found that it's actually when people are at, uh, let's just, call it what it is, rock bottom, that they can either run to God or they can run away from Him. And that goes for all of us, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. You would be surprised that people that you would think would be so closed off and anti-God in those moments, especially depending on how they were raised or what environment they're in at the moment, you would be shocked by the openness that they can have towards Christ. And so I actually think a really powerful tool, especially if you've got a bit of a relationship established, is offering to pray for people. And you actually can can go online even and see stories of people that have no faith, but how much it means to them when people offer to pray and take that time. And so something that I have found quite effective is when, and especially with um, particular friends of mine, when they've been in really dark moments of their life, just being able to pray with them, even if it's over a phone, you're not even in person, can mean so much for that person and actually speak life into that. And not only may it bring peace to that person, but it enables you to feel some peace as well, which is really important too. When you're being faced with those conversations, it's it can be very draining on yourself. So it's incredibly important that both of you are receiving that peace. But Jesus can speak to that person even beyond the words that are coming out of your mouth. Um, And if you're just open to what He's saying through you, the words that are coming out of your mouth, often you don't even have to think about a lot. Um, They can just start flowing. And it sounds a bit trippy, but it's actually true. And if you're able to then pray for that person, they may have that peace beyond understanding. They may choose to not make that decision they were going to make that night. And it gives you a closer bond actually prayer really bonds people in a really special way because it's the Holy Spirit between you then and it it pushes back evil it pushes back darkness that may have been hanging around that person and it it doesn't necessarily mean that all their problems are gone in an instance but it actually allows for clarity to enter that situation and softens their heart for those more specific conversations about Jesus later beautiful 
Come on, put your hands together for Tia. I hope you got something out of that tonight. I hope you uh, took away a couple keys that you can start using this week. There's only a week left of school. You can use it this week. Try and get someone coming to the last night of youth. And if it doesn't happen, you got the whole holidays to, to plug Jesus and to plug church. And um, I, I think I'm encouraged. Is, is anyone here encouraged? Does anyone here? Okay. Amazing. Fantastic. Thanks for tuning in to the Burn Youth Podcast. To stay in the loop, follow us on Instagram at Burn Youth. See you next time.